Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit Amfem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series called Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is Sheep Hibbets the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast has content that may not be appropriate for all audiences. You'll hear about some difficult subjects like drug abuse, domestic violence, suicidal thoughts, and sexual assault. Listener discretion is advised. Episode 3, Young Love. Growing up, I was obsessed with the Brady Bunch. I used to dream about waking up in their beautiful wood panel home with the high ceilings, and I imagined sliding down those iconic stairs. I pictured fighting with my siblings over kid stuff, where the worst crimes were name-calling and hair-pulling. Most of all, I imagined coming home to Carol Brady, the perfect mom, always ready to greet her kids when they got home with a snack and a smile. That daydream helped fill the void of loneliness I felt as a kid because my life was often a nightmare. My dad wasn't ever really in the picture and my mom, well, we've talked about it. She's about as far from Carol Brady as you can get. So it's weird to have my mom tell me that for a little bit, she and my dad were really in love. They sort of did make it work. For a brief moment, they did have the little Brady Bunch thing going on in their own way. But my mom had a void of her own to fill, and that Brady Bunch thing didn't fill it for long. This episode, I want to know what happened. How did my parents fall apart? And how did that lead her to the life I most remember her living? Life with addiction. I want to hear her story, her version of events, so I can understand how we strayed so far from the place we started. My story's not all bad, but it's certainly not an episode of The Brady Bunch. I'm Emmy, and this is Crumbs. It's a show about the things we settle for and the bits of ourselves that make us who we are. So, Mom. You had a pretty lonely childhood, and then you met my dad, Neto. He's a little bit older, he's a cholo, and you were into that at the time. Yeah, there was something about him. I was hooked. Then you get pregnant with me. And what was your relationship like then? The type of relationship that your dad and I had, like, 
while I was pregnant, you have to remember that before that we would see each other now and then, you know, I'd sneak around. But once I was pregnant and it was out in the open, we were together all the time. And here he had his lowrider and, you know, he was, you know, a gang member, but yet he was a family man at the same time. And we spent a lot of time at that wing where you were conceived, going to Chicano Park on the weekends with all the friends and at the same time going to carne asadas with the family, you know. That was a really good time in our life. So things were good for a while. And you gave birth to me. And everyone was so excited. You and my dad were living with his mom, my nana. And that's where we left off. Did the good times last? After I lived at your nana's for some time, I I got mad at your nana for whatever reason that was, you know, and I decided that I wanted to go back home, which was to Mamilicha's house. And so I told your dad one day we're moving out. So after living at Mamilicha's house for a few months, I realized I didn't want to live there anymore. Mamilicha was too controlling. Your nana was too nosy. And I thought it was time for us to be on our own. After all, we were married. We had a baby. He had a job. And so why can't we just live on our own and build our family? We went to this realty in Imperial Beach and we found this cute little house. And Mamilicha was okay with it? Well, yeah, because for one, she had me close by. And two, she was so sure that our loveness wouldn't last. We were two teenagers. I was still 15. And yet here we were trying to be responsible adults. If there was anything your Nana and Mami Licha agreed on, it was the fact that your dad and I wouldn't last. They would tell people that we were playing house. Like little kids pretending. So we're in this house. You, me, and my dad. Imperial Beach was maybe 10 minutes away from both San Isidro and Del Sol, where Neto and I were from. And um, it was right by the beach. The beach was walking distance from Imperial Beach. It was where everybody went on the weekends, on sunny weekends, to surf or skate or just drive around, walk your dog. A really nice place. Neto worked. He was a welder, and he was going to welding school at night. And so anytime that Neto left to school at night, I would invite my good friend over. Her and I would sit there and watch TV. We would smoke some weed while the baby slept and just catch up. She would tell me stories about what was going on in Del Sol. Her boyfriend had just gotten killed. A drive-by shooting from San Isidro came and shot him and he died in her arms. And that's the type of life we were living. Did you miss that life? Of course I loved the drama. By this time, I was already getting tired of hanging out with adults. So I was sort of living through her. So I remember this particular night, we're sitting in the living room, the baby's in the room asleep, and we're in the living room getting high. And my friend gets up to go to the bathroom. And when she comes out of the bathroom, I remember she said, wow, I'm super high. I just saw somebody outside. And then there's a knock on the door. This guy at the door asked for Neto, 
And I said, he's not here. Who are you? And he said, Joe. And I said, well, he's not here. Okay, so he leaves. Also, I was talking on the phone when they knocked on the door a second time. And this time the guy says, it's Joe. And the moment I opened the door, I saw this guy wearing a hoodie. Like I could just see the frame of his face. And I screamed. And when I screamed, the guy that was on the phone heard me scream. The guy at the door walked in. He hit me when I yelled. I passed out. When I came to, I was on the floor and there was a guy holding a gun to my head. My friend was on the couch and there was another guy holding a gun to her head and I could see the phone on the floor. There was a third guy walking around, just throwing stuff around. And he kept asking me, where is it? Where is it? And I would tell him, I don't know what you're talking about. And so finally, this guy started walking towards the bedroom. My baby was asleep in the bedroom. And somehow I was able to take the gun away from the guy that was holding it to my head. And I went after the guy in the bedroom. I was about to make it into the room when the guy that I took the gun from pulled me from from my hair and threw me on the ground. But I was already like at the door of the bedroom and I saw the other guy holding my baby by his pajamas and he had a gun to the baby's head. And he said, where is it? And I pointed up towards the attic. He grabbed the baby and threw the baby in my arms like a football. And they destroyed the attic. They took what they wanted and left. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. It's just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut, and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I just remember when they opened the attic, there was weed flying everywhere. In the closet, on the rug, it was everywhere. I remember them taking boxes out of there, and they left. Mami Licha had to store these boxes of weed for her. I knew what they were talking about, but, I mean, I'm not just going to give them what they want. You know, it wasn't until the baby was in danger that I said, this isn't worth it. I mean, nobody knew, not even my friend that was in the living room knew about this. No one knew. So how did these guys find out? How did they find out? Well, it turns out that your dad had been bragging about working for Mamilicha. So Mamilicha was involved. It wasn't just like you guys playing house and living off his salary. Well, yeah. Mamilicha paid for the house. We were working for her. She was still pulling all the strings. Yeah. How did you recover from this incident? That night I decided I'm not staying here anymore. And we moved back to Mamilicha's house. For a very short time, because that's when Neto and I, that's when our marriage ended. Wait, back up. It sounds like the home invasion was a big deal for you. Like a major turning point for you. Yeah. I didn't realize just how bad it was until they grabbed you. And then I got scared. And I was really worried these guys would come back. So I was like, I'm out of here. Back to my milichas. Yeah, I think I just realized I wasn't ready for all of this. To be an adult, to be a parent, and everything that came with it. And I think Mamilicha always knew we'd fail and come back to her. This all happened because Neto's the one who bragged about it. Which was dumb. Yeah, and I just felt Mamilicha knew how to handle this stuff. Telling again, you know, that night was definitely traumatizing. And you downplay things a lot. I don't know if I've ever heard you use the words traumatizing. So to hear you say that means it must have been really scary. I couldn't keep you safe. I couldn't keep my baby safe. On the one hand, I'm like, this is not shocking to hear all of this. It's like the story of my life. But I'm trying to listen to this as an outsider, like someone who's listening to the show. There was a chance I might not be alive. I felt really scared. I just thought she would do a better job of keeping you safe. When you moved back in with her, did it seem like Mamilicha blamed my dad for what happened? Oh yeah, she never liked Neto. She thought he wasn't good enough. She thought he was weak. And then this happens. Did she try to get you to break up the marriage? 
Yes, Mami Lichatata, by me getting divorced, she was going to have full control of me again. And of course, have you back completely. And this incident, the break-in, how did it change things with my dad for you? Well, your dad and I were already growing apart just because we were so young. We just wanted to hang out with our friends and just do what teenagers do. He would go party with his homeboys at his house in San Isidro, and I would stay at Mami Licha's house and party with my friends. The only condition was that I could not have boys come over. And then until one day, we had a guy stop by, and Neto showed up, and that's when he said, I'm out of here, that's it, I'm leaving you. And I said, cool, go. I was done playing house. And it was over just like that. Did you guys make any sort of arrangement of what was going to happen with me? Like, was he going to have me visitation rights? Or what was the arrangement? Like, how, how did I come into this divorce? Nothing was mentioned as to what are we going to do as far as the baby goes, our co-parenting plans. Nothing like that was talked about. But because you were already such a big part of your nana and tata's life, you'd go visit your nana for a day or two and you'd come back to Mami Licha's. Your dad was there sometimes. Maybe a month or two after we decided that we were going to end our relationship, I filed for a divorce. I never saw an attorney. I never went to a courthouse. It was all done through the mail. I think I paid $600 and he got some paperwork in the mail. He signed it returned it and then I I got a notice saying that we were divorced so no you guys didn't really think about me I mean I think I thought mommy Licha had it covered like she was going to do a better job anyway and after the guys came to the house I think I decided I wasn't ready for all of this I just wanted to be a kid and just have fun again I missed my friends I missed hanging out I mean, yeah, I get that now. I do think it's an unrealistic expectation of a kid at that age. You didn't have the life experience. And as for my dad, I, you know, again, I didn't have a relationship with him. He was my father by name. And today, as an adult, I can have compassion for him as a human. But that love, that bond that someone has with with their father the love for their father, it's not there. I wish it could have been different. He doesn't have that paternal feeling inside him. I do remember there was a certain specific Christmas when we lived on 4th Avenue, and I wrapped up some presents for you from your dad. I just remember thinking like, what the fuck, you can't even show up for Christmas or just a phone call at least? I honestly don't remember if you were asking about your dad or what the reason was, but I remember I wrapped up a ball and some slippers, and then I told you, look what your dad brought you while you were sleeping. No, I really feel like I just discovered that Santa Claus doesn't exist. Hearing that story, because in my memory, in my childhood, I remember I've always said my dad has only bought me a present once in my life, and that was for Christmas, and he gave me these slippers. And I remember the slippers, they were white with 
this blue suede over them. And I just remember like thinking, that's the only present my dad has ever bought me. And just to find out that he didn't even do that, you know, it just makes me feel a certain type of way about him more than that what I was already feeling. It feels good knowing you tried. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpert. It's just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut, and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So then did you and my dad stop talking altogether? Oh, no. I mean, it was a small town and we were still hanging out pretty often. I don't know, it was kind of weird, but we were kids and he was still an important part of my life. I guess I still cared about him. Sounds like you just weren't ready to be married. 
But yeah, he was so important to you. Yeah, exactly. And I still wanted that connection that we'd had. And what kind of stuff were you doing? So one night, your dad called me. I don't know why he called me, but I remember that he called me and he said, why don't you just come over and we'll watch a movie or something? And I said, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to go over there. So I drove to his house. And we're sitting there watching TV, but the phone kept ringing. And he would get up and go. He'd run to the phone and then he'd go outside. And and then I told him, you know what? I changed my mind. Why don't we go out? Let's go somewhere. Let's go eat or whatever. But he didn't want to leave the house. And I just thought it was really suspicious the way he was acting. So I thought for sure there's another girl. And I said, next time the phone rings and he goes outside, I'm going to follow him out there and catch him talking to this girl. And so the phone rang. He went outside. I waited about a minute and I went out and he was inside a car with someone else. And I walked up to the car. I was so sure I was going to catch him talking to some girl. But what I found was your dad and another guy cooking up some heroin in a spoon. That's the first time I ever saw heroin. My reaction was, I want some of that. You better give me some of that. And he said, you're crazy. Get out of here. Go back inside. And I said, if you don't give me some of that, I'm going to go inside and tell your dad what you're doing. He looks at the other guy and the other guy tells him, you know what? My wife did the same thing. And I just gave it to her and she got so sick that she never asked me for it again. So he said, all right, I'm going to give you a little bit and then you're going to go inside and you're just going to leave me alone. I don't know what went through me when I saw Neto and this other guy cooking up heroin in a spoon. I don't know why it excited me instead of scaring me or upsetting me. I don't understand I wish I would have been so upset that I would have just got in my car and went home. I wish that maybe I could have maybe talked him into going in the house and leaving all that there for good. But my reaction was, give me some of that. I felt my heart was racing. I was excited. I wasn't afraid. I don't know why that was my reaction, but... I wanted to try that. I didn't for a second stop to think of what was about to start, what was coming to to my life. I put my arm out and he shot me up with the first dose of heroin I've ever had. And I sat there and waited to feel something. And I waited and waited. And even though they were sitting there laughing, saying that I kept falling asleep and scratching my nose and scratching my head and scratching my stomach, I wasn't feeling anything. I said, I don't know what you guys get out of this because I don't feel anything other than my head getting really hot and itchy. But I was back the next day. The day after and the day after, I just continued to go back every day. Do you think maybe there was a part of you that was trying to connect with him by doing heroin, even though you were divorced? 
Maybe. I mean, I knew that I didn't want to be married to him, but I didn't want to let go completely. I mean, he was the first person I was with, like my first love. And now there was this new thing that was going to bring a new bond between us, if that makes any sense, you know? Like you couldn't go golfing or go to the movies? (laughs) I mean, I was really young and very impulsive and I saw him do it and I wanted to be a part of it. To me, that sounds like you were trying to fill a void, which is something that I totally get. You thought having a kid and getting married would help and then you get divorced. So now let's try heroin. Maybe to fill that void that you were feeling. Yeah, it could be. I mean, I was just a lonely kid so much of the time. So you keep going over to my dad's. And then one morning I woke up feeling super sick and I didn't go to see Neto for my daily dose of heroin. And he called me and he said, where are you? And I remember telling him, I'm not coming over today. I don't feel good. I think I'm getting sick. And he laughed on the phone. I'm never going to forget that he sort of laughed and said, just get in your car and come over here. I promise you're going to feel better once you get here. So I got in my car and I drove to his house. It was like a seven-minute drive. I remember I had to pull over to throw up a couple of times because I was, I was shivering, I was sweating, I was throwing up. I was really sick. And somehow I made it all the way to his house. And as soon as I got out of the car and walked into the house, he grabbed my arm and he had a syringe in his hand and he put it through my veins. And at that moment, I felt what I had never felt. At that moment, I fell in love with heroin. I felt a warmth that I can't describe. I felt no fear. I just felt fearless. I felt strong. I felt everything was beautiful. Everything was perfect. Nothing hurt. Nothing hurt physically. Nothing felt. Nothing hurt inside of me. All the darkness and fears from my childhood were gone. It's really sad to hear that story. I think because of how heroin affected my life. I never thought that I would be hurting my child. I never thought of all that. I just, I just knew that I had fallen in love and didn't think of the consequences that were about to come. Maybe a year after I was using heroin on a daily basis, things started to get really hard because at first I had Neto that would give me the heroin. I would just put my arm out and he would just insert the syringe in my arm and, you know, I had endless supplies of heroin with him. Then once Neto went to jail, things started getting hard for me. I had to buy my heroin And by now I'm 16 years old. I don't have a job. And so I started stealing or befriending people that sold the drugs to get by. 
It was really hard being a parent because for one, I had my baby at a very young age and I had a very controlling mother that, I mean, she helped me so much. And if it wasn't for her, who knows what would have became of my kids, but it just made it easier for me. It was easy for me to get up and go when I was sick to go get my heroin or whatever. It was hard when I was home at night and my baby wanted to go sleep with me and and I didn't want my baby to go sleep with me because I had to cook up my heroin or whatever and I had to talk my baby into, you sleep with Mommy Licha tonight. And my baby would say, but, but I, I want to sleep with you. That was hard. There is this understanding that I have with addicts, with alcoholics, because being myself one, I understand that we push everything aside for what we're addicted to. However, it's very sad that we hurt the people that we love the most to get our fix of whatever we want or or need. Makes sense to me, even though I was the one who was hurt in the end, but I understand it. And not that that makes it okay, it doesn't. Well, you were talking about how you feel now as an adult and in recovery, but as a child, it was heartbreaking because as a child, even though you talk about Mommy Licha being the number one in your life, that child adored me. And all you wanted as a child was to be with me. That was my baby, and all my baby wanted was to be with me. And how can I put this shit before? It it was really, really hard, you know, until I nodded out and forgot all about it. But I know that that child was also hurting. It's crazy how hearing these stories again, I can see more parallels between my life and my mom's. Growing up, she also faced a lot of chaos and violence. So when she met my dad, and then she got pregnant with me, she thought things would change. We were her own little Brady Bunch fantasy. I was her shining star. And we lived it for a little, but of course that couldn't last for long. My mom and dad weren't really independent. Mami Licha was still pulling the strings. She knew my parents were too young to be adults, and she was waiting, ready to pick up the pieces. And sure, my dad was to blame for the home invasion, but I do have to acknowledge that it was Mamilita's business that put my mom's life and mine in danger. And that moment really impacted my mom. It made her think she wasn't really ready to be an adult or a mom. Maybe that's true, maybe it's not. We'll never know. So we went back to Mamilita's and my mom was right in some ways. I'm sure her mom was much more prepared to take care of me, but in the process, My mom had to find new ways to fill that void. When she and my dad broke up, she found a new love, heroin. And that love was all-consuming. It came to shape her life and mine for years to come. Next time on Crumbs, do you think this disappearance could have had something to do with Mamelicha's business? Oh my God, I don't want to do this right now. I'm sorry.
Hey listeners, there's a lot of difficult subjects that we cover in this show. If you're someone you know needs help, you can reach the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration hotline at 1-800-662-4357. They'll connect you with information and resources on treatment. There's also the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK. Both are available 24-7. You don't have to be in crisis to reach out either. They're available for anyone who needs help. Crumbs is a Sonoro production in partnership with iHeart's My Cultura Network and Trojan Horse. It's produced by Hannah Bottom and edited by Margaret Catcher, Rodrigo Crespo, and Alex Humero with support from Elizabeth Schutzel. Original music by D. Peter Schmidt. And engineering by Carlos Magaña and Manuel Parra. Studio recording by JTB Recording and Podcasting Studio. Executive produced by Connell Byrne and Giselle Vances for iHeart, Alex Fumero and Margaret Catcher for Trojan Horse, Camila Vitoriano and Joshua Weinstein for Sonoro, and me, Emmy Olea. Special thanks to Mariana Coronel Aguirre, and of course, my mom, Hilda Gamboa. Listen to Crumbs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series called Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.